ESPN's The Far Post podcast. We are back with an express post. We, we, oh my God, we know you love them during the World Cup. So we're bringing them back for these Matildas Olympic qualifiers so we can talk about these three games quickly, efficiently, and, you know, a third word that I can't think of at the moment. Um, obviously, the Matildas have started their Olympic qualifiers with a 2-0 win over Iran over in Perth. It was Ellie Carpenter and Sam Kerr, the goal scorers. Two, ver- the Kerr goal in particular, very well worked. Absolutely stunning. Kerr scoring goals in Perth, exactly as the good Lord intended. And Ellie Carpenter getting forward scoring goals. I think we'd all like to see more of it, to be perfectly honest. But even though it was a 2-0 win, a clean sheet, a good start, a win, that's what we love to see, there's still plenty to talk about. So we can't wait to crack into that chat. But before we do begin, we want to acknowledge the traditional owners of the lands we're recording on today, the Wurundjeri and Gadigal people, and pay our respects to their elders past and present. For today's episode, you've got me, Marissa Lordanik, Sam Lewis, Anna Harrington, and Angela Christian Wilkes. So friends, let us start with, I think, the biggest talking point of this entire game, which was that starting 11. Um, I don't think I'm the only one who looked at the graphic from the Matilda's account and went, sorry, what? Like, did a couple of, like, (laughs) eye rubs, shake your head, you know, cartoon noises, like, sorry? What am I looking at here? How is this meant to look? I remember messaging you guys and I was like, sorry, this is my first Matilda's game. I don't actually know what this is meant to look like. So how did we feel about the lineup and all of the changes? Because there were so many changes barring the last time we actually saw the Tillies play at the World Cup. I wasn't shocked that there was a lot of changes. I think um, Tony Gustafson pre-match had been sort of laying the groundwork because for us to to see a very different lineup, right? Because so many players arrived late. So many players, of course, coming from Europe, jet lag, limited training time on the ground in Perth. And we all know what happens if you have very limited training time and you try and throw players into the action. Injuries happen. So it always felt very unlikely with the Philippines game clearly being the main event per se of these qualifiers in the middle, right? Like it always felt to me like it was we were going to see some fresh faces. I think Amy Sayer had sort of been flagged. Um, I was pretty happy to see Clay Wheeler in the starting lineup, as I know Sam would have been as well. Um, And Alex Chidiat, of course. Um, yeah, I wasn't too surprised. In, in, I know in our group chat, Marissa, you went, I need to explain the formation. And I don't know if it's just like my brain's been warped from having just seen too much to leave. But I was like, I think Tamiki Alp's going to play wide because I've seen her do it before. And then I somehow managed to figure out where it was going to land. But yeah, it was it was bizarre. Um, and I think we could see that right from the opening minutes. It was understandably disjointed as much as they dominated possession. The sort of link-ups weren't there. The times where what looked like it could be an exceptional through ball would get cut out by uh, a massive block of players or, you know, it, it wasn't a shock to me that it, it took time to find rhythm. But, um, you know, I would like to hear other people's reactions to the lineups because uh, I did like seeing Tegan Micah in as well. It makes sense just to get her confidence up um, after all she's been through. And if it were a tough start to life in Liverpool as well, I, I quite like that. I, I like the... I remember um, ahead of that Mexico game that the Socceroos played when Harry Sotar wasn't playing for Leicester and um, uh, Graham Arnold, not to make this about men's football, but like he said straight up, this is a chance for him. I said to him, do what you do for us and show your coach why you should be playing. And I think sometimes you do have that little bit of a responsibility with international football as well to get your your players up and going. So I like that Micah played and she obviously was never going to have too much to do. But um, Sam. 
Yeah, I think like they played like a team that started with seven midfielders. You know what I mean? Like (laughs) when the lineups came out, I was like, how are these people going to fit together? Particularly all the central midfielders, because there seemed to be so many of them who did each other's jobs in other games. And and you were just like, okay, how does a a Chidiak and an Emily Van Egmond and an Amy Sayer kind of fit all together? And then you've got a Claire Wheeler who's kind of been playing in We've seen her play in more advanced midfield positions. We assume she's going to be a six here, but then Ben Egmont was dropping down. It's kind of like they just they played like they didn't know what their roles were altogether in this one big midfield tangle, um, which was kind of annoying. You know, like you, you we, I think we, a lot of us came into this game expecting that off the back of the World Cup, like, yeah, they haven't had that much time together, but they would, you know, it's kind of like riding a bike, right? Like you'd sort of, you've all been together for such a long time and you know your good combinations and you're coming up against Iran, which is like not exactly the the, the most difficult team in the world. Um, even though, full credit to Iran, like they clearly had a game plan, which was number one, be annoying, and number two, um, <laughs> have like a, a, a two low blocks of defensive players and just create this big red wall that, the Matildas really struggled to get through as they historically have done. Um, yeah, I, I was, I was, I was frustrated. I think the players were frustrated as well going into halftime. They thought they should have been much more, um, they should have scored many more goals and really they should have based on the number of shots that they had. Um, but they just, they played like they didn't have a target. They played like they didn't have a center forward because they didn't, you know, they had Courtney Vine who was a right winger and didn't really do very much in that space anyway. And we're kind of relying on a Tamiki Yallop or an Amy Sayer kind of running from deep midfield positions to to try and, and get in behind Iran's defenders. But that didn't really work that many times either. So, yeah, it, it kind of, it was the game that, like, the first half before they made the substitutions, it was absolutely the performance of a team um, of that kind of lineup, you know, like the con- sort of confused um, how is this actually going to work kind of style of football um which is yeah you know but that's it's also like it's important to to go through those things i think it's sort of the growing pains of that in some ways um like even though there were some real jumbles in terms of the lineup i was really really impressed with amy sayer i really hope we see more of her going forward especially against the philippines she offers something so different in that kind of attacking midfield role that I think would be um, really useful going forward. She's almost like a sort of a next Mary Fowler type of vibes to me. Like she just seems to operate in a different kind of, at a different speed, which is really nice. And Claire Wheeler also, I think really Mm. took her opportunities, um, especially sort of as the game grew on a little bit. Um, And she just like, was like, all right, well, if you're not going to do anything, I'll just keep running. And then just went around 10 players. You know, that's always really fun to see. So there were some positives to take from it, even if the first half was a little bit of a, yeah, meh. Every time I watch Amy, Amy Sayer play, I'm just like, just make her Lindsay Horan. <laughs> like, just a big, tall midfielder who can attack and push into more yeah. like a false nine striker role. I, I love some of the glimpses she showed, especially once I uh, know things got easier for everyone when those substitutions came in. Once she pushed deeper into midfield with Sam Kerr coming on, I, I really liked some of the touches she had there. And she had a really good chance, which forced a good save as well. Um, but Claire Wheeler was like such a standout for me. I, I thought she was fantastic. And it actually just made me more annoyed that we didn't see her get a minute at the World Cup and sort of, you know, oh, like, yeah. you know, getting ready to like crunch a stress ball or something about it. Um, and... Yeah, I thought she was fantastic. She just kept ticking over, like time and time again, getting a foot in the right place. She was looking to deliver the ball. She was 
looking to get into dangerous positions. We know her running power, running capacity. Um, you know, she looked like a player who she's coming off a couple of really good games at Everton where she even had to pinch hit at sort of like left wing back. So she doesn't mind doing the hard stuff. I, I, I really liked the way she went about. But the, the game as a whole was so frustrating for me. I know a lot of us would have thought it should be a few more goals and there should have been, let's be honest. Um, the two frustrating things was they really struggled to, you know, handle effectively a parked bus. Um, little shout out to some of the stoppages as well. I think my, my personal favourite was the player that uh, went under no contact like three seconds later, went down like she'd been punched in the stomach. That was um, a particular low life. It, it just it was just such – Maybe oh, she had it gas. Reminded me, it reminded me of watching <laughs> like some say. of the Socceroos qualifiers it happens. as well. Like, <laughs> it was a real like Australian football like – AFC qualifying experience. Uh, yeah, wasn't it? I love the I love the Late player night. who went down with cramp like ten minutes into, 10 the, minutes game. into the game. <laughs> like, and the re- I think the ref had to be stronger on that. Like, yeah. you can't be stopping the game for players with cramp after ten minutes. Like, that's just rubbish. Like, and some of the, and I think that was the real frustration you could see when you're looking on Twitter and stuff, especially for more newcomers to football. Like, some of the real, let's be honest, shit housing, right? Like, some of that that tactical stuff that um. Yeah, going down, taking a long time to get up. There was one really nasty collision between the goalkeeper and one of the defenders. I was like, that that one is fair enough. Like, you stop playing now. But there were other ones where you're like, come on, hurry it up. And um, at least in the yes. second half, there was 10 minutes of extra time. The first half, there probably should have been as well, to be honest. Um, but, yeah, it was frustrating in the sense that, uh, you know, created chances, but not too many guilt-edged ones. And they didn't put them away. Like, and that that's happened in the first half, um, I think, Ellie Carpenter's goal was a good finish, but she had that second chance that was actually more straightforward and I think got torn between whether to pass it or shoot it and should have just buried it. There are a couple of others like that. You think of the a couple that Sam had when she came on. The Alana Kennedy free header, which you'd normally back her to bury every time. She sort of just jumped at the wrong time and lost her bearings a bit, I think. But, yeah, there were so many chances that you're like, oh. And I don't know. I don't know if I'm a pessimist, but I always go, well, you look at this, and theoretically, the Philippines game is the big one. The Philippines have put four past um, Taiwan. They won 4 1 in their game. And just if things don't necessarily go to plan and goal difference comes into it, like you, you kind of need to be taking the chances to, you know, keep pressure off yourselves. I I know the, the main factor is you win all three games and you, you top the group, but I just felt like, yeah, there was some frustration for me there. And it, you know, it was no surprise that when um, I don't, didn't envy poor Iran seeing. Um, Catley, Kerr and Fowler all come on at the same time. You must, it must have just felt like a hammer blow to them. But, yeah, credit to the way they defended. But, um, yeah, it just, yeah, I think it would have been particularly frustrating for the Matildas when it's already probably a question mark over them how do they handle packed, deep-lying defences. And they didn't really, although they got through it a few times, didn't get the goals on the board to show that they did it, I suppose. So, yeah, pretty frustrating. Albeit with the you know, the caveat of limited time on the ground together, jet lag, limited normal starters. It was still frustrating, I think. A hundred percent. I think we do need to bang on the jet lag thing because it is it's a real consideration. But Angela, what did you like? What didn't you like from this game? Uh, yeah, the lineup I didn't particularly like either. Um, it feels like Tony is a man of extremes because – yeah, it was like, we've been like, play the kids, play the kids. No, no, not like that. What are you doing? What are you like? <laughs> I, and again, having the context of like the 
the jet lag and you know limited training minutes and all that it all it all made sense but then when he said in the presser he's like you know we looked rusty I'm like these these players haven't played together substantially like at all really um and when they did last play together in the national team setup a lot of them that that would have been like what two years ago ish for some of the younger players but um yeah and a lot of pressure for Amy Sayer I, I suppose in being up front in this kind of match because it did feel a little bit I don't know just seeing it because I I was at a I was at a rock show last night so I just only saw the lineup and then I wasn't able to actually watch the game live but then it, just seeing it like that and then it just felt a little bit not arrogant but a little bit complacent because yeah we do need good score lines and we in in this tournament you don't want to take anything for granted and um I think what seemed to be interesting is playing in that kind of game where you've got the bulk of the possession you're up in the attacking half for most of the game like lapses in concentration and there were moments I feel like Iran did quite well at when they did get the ball responding and trying to do something with it rather than just like being like oh well I'm not used to this I'm just gonna fluff this or whatever um and I think teams that do play with that counter-attack who have a bit more I guess uh a deep deeper talent or like better people up front would punish the Matildas in a in a game with that kind of flow. Um because there were a few, yeah, uh mistakes in the back line. Of course like that's gonna happen. You can't expect like a hundred percent. But um I think that's yeah, again something to be expected in the kind of situation and the people playing together and that sort of thing. But at the same time, it's like a little bit, gave me the heebie-jeebies a tiny bit. Also Ellie Carpenter running up, running amok, like love that. But I'm like, I hope she knows that she can't do that all the time. <laughs> like, I like again, seeing her with the shackles off. <laughs> I yeah. like seeing Ellie with the shackles off. Yeah, because I feel like she, um, her World Cup, she didn't really hit her, her normal heights. You could tell still coming back from the ACL, just getting the confidence back and often got played pinned back a bit more to allow Catley and Ford to to go forward. So I quite like that. I think her and Charlie Grant initially, my, almost all of their touches were inside Iran's defensive 18-yard box. Like they're just everywhere. And I think when Ellie's in full flight, she's so unstoppable. There was clearly a point very early on where she went, no one here is going to keep up with me. like on either team no one is going to be able to go with me and I love when she is in that sort of mode and I I hopefully she got a fair bit of confidence out of some of the chances she was able to create and the way she got forward and like you say Angela time and a place like there's not always going to be the opportunities for her to do it but I loved seeing that she looked um confident again and you know she got the goal I love when she scores because she just always looks so, even when you see her in training and she scores she looks so shocked and delighted and is just (laughs) having the best possible time so I really, I really liked that. And I liked that she was one of the players sort of entrusted to be a senior head in, I know she was on the first few to arrive in camp, but to, to have that role with, with Polks and, and Van Egmond, um, it was mm. good. Um, I was interested to hear you, your guys' thoughts on Alex Chidiak because obviously she was sort of like the buzzword player at the World Cup, right? More game time for Chids. You want to see more of Chids? Chids, 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 Chids. And we love Chids, friend of the pod, Alex Chidiak. Um, but it felt like um, as Claire Wheeler, I think, um, and to a lesser extent, Amy Say really embodied the being able to take that opportunity with both hands and really go on with it. And I know Wheeler is a very different player to Chidiak in terms of, you know, industrious versus the way Chids likes to drop between the lines. It felt like quite a frustrating start for, mm. for Alex Chidiak, like some loose touches, um, 
had some little patches where it got involved, but other moments where maybe lacking. I, I felt like it it looked like a player. She oh, sorry, she looked like a player who is in that situation that we know she's in, not playing a heap of game time at club level. I'd love to have seen how this could have gone where when she would say, or if she was in a position like she was at Victory, sort of you know twelve months ago, where she was at the you know peak of her powers, playing confidently, you know having the keys and sort of controlling things I felt like she tried to create some things that just didn't work and sort of played about 60 minutes I think came what was one of the ones to come off um, with Kerr and that when Kerr and that came on so it felt like a frustrating one I think because we all really like Alex Chidiak and want to see her do well I, th- I found it a frustrating game to watch in terms of watching one player yeah I think it was particularly frustrating because this was it was almost exactly the kind of game that you thought Alex Chidiak would be excellent in. Yeah, and dominate. You know, because And dominate because she is so good with the ball at her feet. She's so creative. She's so good at those incisive little creative passes um, that is able to unlock a defence like this. Yeah, but 100%. She, you know, but she just didn't She just didn't do it. And, and maybe that is just because she hasn't been playing very much and she has kind of lost a bit of that um, that uh, sharp touch and the the kind of match fitness and awareness that that requires. And, but also at the same time, I think it's partly a problem with the formation, going back to yeah. the number of players who are around. Um, she just never really looked like she knew the spot that she needed to be in. She was kind of floating around all the time, which can work if you're, if you know, she did that very well with Melbourne Victory. But I think she almost had a much clearer role in that Melbourne victory side as well in terms of being that box-to-box player and having the licence to be creative. And a lot of their attacking play came through her, whereas here she was kind of more of a bit role midfielder and she was one of many different creative options that could have been used. And so because there were so many, there were almost none. And it, it just didn't seem like it suited her in that kind of structural way. Um, and maybe that's why, by contrast with someone like Amy Sayer uh, and Claire Wheeler, who, you know, they, they maybe because we had different expectations on their kinds of um, contributions to this game, or we maybe were not as familiar with their kind of style of football as what we are with Chidiak because we've seen more of her recently. It, it, yeah, she just didn't really live up to the hype, unfortunately, which is a real shame because. You know, there aren't that many windows left until Paris, if we get there at all, um, only six, including this one. So, you know, these players really need to be taking these. <laughs> Marissa's just given like big, wide dinner plate <laughs> eyes. Like, oh my God, time is you real. You think and I'm ready for fastest. another major tournament? I am not ready for another <laughs> hey, major you got- tournament. Just like the players, you have six windows to get ready for it. Oh, my. Anyway, (laughs) sorry to interrupt you with my giant moon eyes. (laughs) No, but it's it's true. It's like we're all just like, oh, shit. And the the players probably most of all are like, oh, shit. Like we actually don't Mm. have that much time to be able to put our hands up for this big thing. Um, I think Amy Sayer and Claire Wheeler definitely put their hands up in this game against Iran. But unfortunately, I don't think Alex Chidiak did, which means that if she gets another opportunity either against the Philippines or against Taiwan – she really needs to compensate, I think, for what was a pretty lacklustre showing. And I think her best performances for the Matildas, I know she's not got too many opportunities or really any to start. So I think her last start might have been in Perth like all that time ago. And she's really impressed as someone who can turn a game. Um, I don't like to use the term game changes. It's not my word. Um, but can, you know, spark something, can provide something different. Um, and, yeah, 
whether she'll get another go at say against Taiwan, I, I get the feeling like it's really going to depend. The, the layout, the players that go out in that last game, I think it's really going to depend on how the Philippines game goes as well. And also players will have got more fitness behind them. So it will probably be a stronger, stronger lineup that last game, I think, rather than this first one where it, like clearly the, the jet lag and the limited training time necessitated certain selection. Um, I'm going to be interested to see how much it changes. Like it was quite funny seeing early in the first half a pan to the bench and it was just like Mackenzie Arnold, Kara cross Katrina, like Sam Kerr, Caitlin Ford, Steph Catley, like all these big dogs like from the World Cup that are just sitting on the bench just sort of biding their time. Um, I'm going to be really interested to see how much that changes for the Philippines game. You'd think the plan has always been to to go with the strongest possible lineup. We, we were talking also off off air before we recorded this, it was so hard to read into anything that the defence did, given they were so rarely challenged, like both Tegan Micah, you know, Courtney Nevin, Claire Polkinghorne. I always feel like things look better once Lana Kennedy comes into the fray. I, I, things feel more structured, um, feels more confident, and we know what she's like on on the ball. Thought Nevin, Nevin was fine, bar a couple of errors, but that would catch you against a better team. So it's so hard to to read into it. I think I think we're going to see, you know, you your greatest hits of Kennedy and Hunt with um, Carpenter and Catley in that next game. I was surprised that Carpenter actually played so many minutes given there's another game coming up in a few days. But, yeah, um, I just, yeah, was left with the, the frustration. Uh, one thing that I did really enjoy, and I, I know we expected the, the quality to lift, it felt like as soon as Kerr, Catley and Fowler came on, everything just went up again. Like, he, I don't know if everyone else felt like the yeah. ball speed, even when those players weren't the ones on the ball. It's like everyone just went, all right, <laughs> time to get our shit together and really go for it. And obviously, they yeah. should have scored quite a few goals. They scored one that was really nicely worked. Um, I think that is was Sammy's first goal um, as a senior Matilda in Perth, which is a quite quite a nice touch. But Mary Fowler, man, I saw Tony say after the game that he basically tried to emulate what she's been doing at City, which is you know playing out on the left. And um, I quite like when players, and this has been probably the complaint over saying Alex Chidiak in the past, right? When players, if they're doing something really well at club level, it goes into their national teams and they just replicate it. You know, mm. Ford and Catley at Arsenal is probably a good example of that, right? She just looks so good. Like she had the ball and the string. So Whenever she, when she had to do the defensive stuff and track back, she was getting it back. She made things look so effortless. Like some of the balls, yeah. she should have had more sort of involvements in goals than she did, obviously. We only had the, the one goal after she came on, but... Yeah, she just looked incredible. She looks like she's ready to go that next level. And I know she's been doing a bit of that in club level, but she just, everything just looks so easy for her. And it was just such a pleasure to watch. And if she starts like that, um, and I assume she will start against the Philippines, it makes life a whole lot easier. Because all of a sudden we're talking about, Sam, before with, with Chids about creating those openings. And that's the sort of thing that Fowler did when she came on the field, probably more than anyone else. Um yeah, yeah. Uh, that was a beautiful. I remember there was that a really beautiful passage where Fowler, um, like the ball was sort of spinning wildly just outside the box. She like just gently like brought it down on the top of her toe, nutmegging a player on the way. She turned infield. She saw Amy Sayer making a really great diagonal run back across to the near post and just delivered this beautiful no look reverse pass into Sayer's feet. And Sayer had a shot, and the goalkeeper made a really good save with her leg. I was like, man. And that was, and like, she's just, she's 20 years old and she just does this shit. Like, she's like, she's embodying the spirit of like, Beckenbauer or something it's fucking amazing it's it's so yeah she's so such a such a such a player I'm so like 
every time I see a player, I'm so like thrilled. I kind of have to pull myself out of work mode and just be like, just enjoy it. Just be here and enjoy this because this is not going to happen for very long. Like we're probably going to have have Mary Fowler for you know at least a decade, if not more, hopefully. But like, just enjoy it now. Enjoy it while it lasts because it's ah, mwah, chef's kiss. And she doesn't play like she has pressure on her, I think. Uh, I know yeah. Tony is very conscious of talking about when he talks about Fowler, like, you know, I just wanted to play her away. But, you know, like the game was in a well, – as much as Australia were dominating it, right, it was 1-0. It was still, um, I guess, somewhat finely balanced. And the way she comes on, she just looks calm, like, I'm going to do my thing. It's going to happen. I'm going to create something. I'll do something special. And I'll do the hard work as well. I think that's what we you really love about it. You hear from – her teammates that she's one of the hardest workers on the track. Um, she's just developed so much in terms of her defensive running and tracking and, you know, doing doing the hard stuff. Um, yeah, she's just just a pleasure to watch. And some of also some of Steph Catley's deliveries when she came on were fantastic. I do think a few players sort of reverted a little bit to long balls to Sammy, just a little bit at times, um, which can be a bit difficult, but having no doubt, having Curly structured things up better and, Hopefully, Caitlin Ford's ready to go and hit the ground running because she didn't um, appear at all uh, last night. So, yeah, I'm I'm excited um, to see how much the lineup changes. I guess for this Philippines game because it feels like it it's going to be big. You know, it's a sellout at at Optus Stadium. It's you know what's like sixty thousand people that are going to be in there. It's, it's exciting. Like the eighteen thousand there. It was funny, like when you're watching from home, as as I know you guys were as well. Anytime Sam Kerr just like came on screen, the place just lost its shit. Like, and it feels like it's going to be that for about you know three or fourfold um, when they play that game on Sunday. I'm, I'm excited to see where it lands. I feel like some of the rust will be out. They'll have had another session together. Um, some of those players will have got their first proper session in as well. Like you know, beyond um, light runs and looking at the. Looking at the whiteboards, they'll actually be able to hit the track and, and do a bit more. So hopefully this has shaken out some rust and um, we'll see something a bit more complete on the weekend. Do we have any final takes from this game? Because I reckon we're just about done, to be honest. No. Lots of blank stares, listeners. Was anything said about lids in like presses and stuff? Because she, not that I know. No? She was back no. training. I know that. Um, oh. I haven't actually. She okay. posted right. her training photos. Um, so I'm not sure if she'll be involved or what the situation there will be. Um, I think what's going to be really interesting with the Philippines game is surely they're going to look at the successor Ryan had and sit tighter and more deeply and they're also going to be more threatening on the counter like look at serena bolden she is in form yeah i can't believe no a-league club has picked her up yet like <laughs> how why <laughs> she's a good player um and i think that's going to be a lot more dangerous is the way they'll be able to be compact and frustrate the matildas um and then actually pose a bit of a threat on the counter and, and be dangerous i think that's going to be really interesting and something they'll have to be careful with. Um, hopefully they got all those misses out of the way last night because I think against the Philippines, I know that they've beaten the Philippines in the past, but the, the last Asian Cup was so long ago. And a lot of these players with the Philippines now, like your Angie Beards and your Jacqueline Savitskis, those sorts of players have, Serena Bolden, they've played a lot more caps. They've all played together a lot more. I think it would be unfair to actually compare that. They, they clearly developed so much over that World Cup journey as well. 
I think it would be more of a more of a challenge. Um, I don't know if I was watching, keeping an eye on the scores from the other group. That's chaotic. The ones with uh, with China, North Korea, South Korea, um, and Thailand it just appears genuine chaos. So, um, yeah, I, as I said, I'm excited for this Philippines game. I think it's going to be a really um, stern test, and I think it's one where they're going to actually have to score early. I think that was something that was quite frustrating to watch last night was they didn't put one away early. And, you know, credit to Iran, they didn't fold when Australia got their first goal in or even when they got their second one. They just kept defending stoutly. But the Philippines will try and do that too. So, yeah, I, I think they've still not answered the questions in terms of can they unlock a, a really packed defence and get some goals passed. Um, and I think it's going to be a really good test to see if they've developed in that area. Yeah, I think it'll be a, a much better game of football than what we saw against Iran. And that's partly because like anyone who's ever played football recreationally, Sunday league, there are some games where you're coming up against a kind of crappy, chaotic team and you find your team sinking to that level. And you, you like, you don't, you, you sort of, you lose your patience, you lose your structure, you lose your, um, sort of like the choreography, like you lose sort of something in terms of yourselves as a team and you, you sink to their level. But I think with the Philippines, because they are a better team than Iran, uh, because they have World Cup experience, they have great players, um, and they're coming into this on a on a pretty good wave of confidence as well. This tournament, um, like they they're fully expecting to go through as the if not the top of the group, then the the next best runner up and going through to the semifinals, um, which are, they absolutely could based on the the performance that we saw against uh, Chinese Taipei. Um, but I think by virtue of that, of them being a better team, I think we'll also be a better team. Like we'll, we'll, we'll meet that. And I think because we are perhaps more familiar with the, the Philippines in terms of having played them a little bit more recently um, because we've never played Iran before. So obviously that was, that sort of posed its own challenge. Um, I think we'll like, and not just because also we're going to have probably a stronger lineup, but I think we'll play better football because we, of all these different factors that we've been talking about, the rust will be shaken out of the legs. Um, there's more chemistry. There's going to be players who's been playing together for a longer time. Um, we're playing against a more familiar opponent, an opponent who's better um, and an opponent who we probably know what they're going to do as well. So it's sort of up to the Matildas now to be able to put all those pieces in place and to take it up a notch from what was kind of just like an introductory, almost like a training game against Iran. No disrespect to Iran, but like, this is kind of the kind of thing that you do, you know? So yeah, I'm really excited. I hope it's a really great game. Um, I I hope that the 60,000 pan, pans, the 60,000 fans um, at Perth stadium are able to get their money's worth. I hope that uh, Sammy scores. I hope that, yeah, it's just a, a really good game of football for everyone involved. And also that they get a little bit feral and make sure the Tillies get it done. Yeah. Everyone else has stepped up to Love the plate. That. As the crowd, you've got to get a bit feral. Go do what you gotta do. Otherwise, all the games come back to Melbourne. That's the rule. <laughs> <laughs> and not to the MCG, to Amy Park. Only stadium. That would be the only stadium football's allowed at if you guys stuff this up, Beth. There you go. Perth. I don't make I don't make the rules, but I do. <laughs> no, they love they love Sammy Kerr that much. I love I did actually love seeing the crowd. Um they've not seen a game there in, in five years. Like so I, I love the way they got around it. And I felt it was very pure encapsulation of like the pure Tilly's fever that we saw during the World Cup that it just kicked on. And yeah, hopefully they can um, get them over the line. I'm also just quietly intrigued to see how Iran go in the next two games because it was such a hard-fought game. We saw the way they collapsed 
to the field, basically on the final whistle, like, oh my God, thank God this is over. Like we have worked so hard and so tirelessly and defended so stoutly for so long, including that like 11 minutes of injury time at the end. Um, I'll be really interested to see if they can maintain that for effectively 180 more minutes or if we'll see a, a Philippines, for example, be able to but overrun them um, because it was such a hard-fought effort from Iran. Like, you know, they they soaked up every second they could. They defended, like, really desperately and they do deserve credit for doing it. As frustrating as it was for us all to watch from home and as much as I think the ref needed to simmer down a few of the things, um, I thought it was um, a really hard-fought performance. They did really well. So I'll be interested just to see if they can maintain the rage there. Absolutely. We love to see it. And we know, as we've said, that that second game against the Philippines, 6.10pm Australian Eastern Daylight Time kickoff um, at Optus Stadium, the 60,000 crowd. Um, During the week, we found out that because that game had been sold out as well, it's 11 straight games on home soil for the Matildas that have been sold out, which is a bonkers statistic. So we absolutely love to see it. We love to see Perth getting behind the Tillies and obviously them getting to enjoy three whole games of the Tillies because we know that there aren't there aren't a lot of games that move around the country. So really awesome to see the WA fans get to see the Tillies and, you know, proving that they deserve to have Tillies games as well by showing up. We will obviously talk to you about that game after it happens and we will talk about the Taiwan game as well once that one is one and done. But uh, for now, wherever on ESPN.com.au and the ESPN app, you can find us on Spotify, Apple, all of the usual pod spots. If you like what we do, leave a review and subscribe. If you want to have a chat to us, we're at the Far Post Pod on all social media. But until post-Philippines, go Tillies. Slayers! <laughs>